You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Father, speak to your people through me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Last week, uh, started this new message series called Blow It Up. Um, yeah, there it is, Blow It Up. Uh, <laughs> and I have to tell you, if you preach Blow It Up, there's going to be some blowing up. And uh, I was talking some, uh, you know, and some marriages need to be blown up. Not in a way, we showed a video last week of buildings and bridges that were empty and not being used or were were broken down and being blown up. And that's more of what we're talking about here. Not blowing up things that are fruitful, but blowing up things that are unfruitful. Blowing up mindsets that are unfruitful. Sometimes a marriage needs to be blown up so then it can be built back up in a solid foundation. Amen? But like I said, if, if, if I preach about blowing up, there's going to be some, there was some blowing up, there was some shaking, there was some stuff going on, but you know what I say? Good! Because God wants to shake us. God wants to change us. God wants to expand us. And we had this huge altar call last week. It was one of the biggest ones we've ever had here at this church. And people were crying. People were broken. There was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of emotion. (laughs) People on the worship team broke down and cried. I mean, God's Holy Spirit was really moving in a powerful way. Because, you know, some people suffer in secret. Some people put a mask on and try to put lipstick on something that's not too good. And a lot of it got shooken up. And um, when we were praying for people last week, the Lord said to me, listen to what people are saying. Listen to how people are praying. It was like, You know, this blind man, I I was preaching about him last week that got healed by Jesus, and Jesus said these words to him. He says, what do you want? Now, you would think that he wouldn't have to ask a guy who was blind what he wanted. But he was saying, like, what do you want? And people, you would say, is what, you know, how can I pray for you? What do I want? We had a couple uh, that got blown up, and we were sitting with them, and uh, I was just like, you know, so, you know, we're just going through this counseling, whatever, you know, and talking, and, uh, you know, people will say, well, if, if I could just get along for a day, or if we could just stop doing this, and if we could just, and I said, stop right there, stop! <laughs> I said, what do you want? What? I want to take everybody shaky and say, what do you want? Because the blind man could have said to Jesus, oh, just like if I could just see for a day, or if one of my eyes would just open, or if I could just see an ice cream cone, whatever. And people will pray stuff like that. If I could just, if maybe... uh, No, what do you want? What do you want? 
because he's more interested in what you really want than what you're telling people and what you're settling for. Too many Christians are settling, and, and it bothers me. And it bothers me when I settle. What do you want? So I remember <laughs> praying over a, a, a single girl here, and I was like, what do you want? It was just like to meet, and I go, no, what, what, what do you want? I said, come on, let's say it. Rich, handsome, Christian. What do you want? You, 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 I just want somebody? No, you don't just want somebody. What do you really want? Because when you can say what you really want, you are going to blow up the limits on your life. But until you can say it, there's going to be limits. Let's turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 17. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Jesus had just been on the mountain of transfiguration with Moses and Elijah and three of his closest disciples. And he comes down and he sees some commotion going on between scribes, Pharisees, his disciples, and a man and his son. Something was blowing up. And so he says, what's going on? And one of the crowd said, teacher, I bought you my son who has a mute spirit. It seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Sounds like some of our teenagers. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often it has thrown him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father and child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. But help me with my unbelief. So Jesus comes down from the mountain, and this man comes and says to Jesus, I bought you my son. I bought you my son. And here's the mess he's in. And I spoke to your disciples that they should heal him, that they should cast this demon out that has control of his life. And they could not. You know, if you put your faith in people, you're going to be limited to what people can do. If you put your faith in people, you're going to be limited to what people can do. If you put your faith in people, you will be limited to what people can do. Now, I want to tell you something right now. It's good that this man brought his son to Jesus. See, initially he was bringing him to Jesus, but he ran into people. Originally he was bringing him to Jesus, but they ran into people. Originally they brought him to Jesus, but they ran into people. I'm saying that three times. Because when you say something three times, people usually get it. Like when I say, honey, could I have something to eat? Honey, can I have something to eat? Honey, can I have something to eat? I'm going to try that tonight. Guess what she's going to say? 
<laughs> Honey, can we go out? She's going to say, what'd you say? <laughs> but people will let you down. How many of you know that? But here's the, look, look. I'm not saying that it was wrong for the disciples to try. They had just been doing it. But here was a situation that needed a little more faith. Amen? Later on, Jesus said, well, only by prayer and fasting does this come out. That's not what this teaching is about. But he, said, he brought his son to Jesus, and that's a good thing. And, you know, you're in church. That's a really good thing. That's a really, I mean, could we just get that? Could we just get that? Like, it's good that you're here. You're in the right place. Yes, there are people here. The greatest blessing about church is there are people here. The worst thing about church is there are people here. But the church is people. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up and see all the people. I mean, remember that one? That goes way back. But they brought the son to Jesus and they ran into people. And if you put your faith in people, you're limited to what people can do. John chapter 2 and this is one of the scriptures I learned early on because it's in John chapter 2. Because <laughs> the first thing I ever read was John chapter 1. So John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, and it stuck with me. Now, I got saved at the age of 27, so I didn't go through the church growing up in church. How many of you grew up in church? Yeah. It's harder sometimes, right? My kids used to say, I was born in the church. I go, what, did your mother drop the water on the altar? What do you mean you were born in the church? Well, my kids were like, I was born in church. But, you know, so 27, got saved, we get involved in church, and we see people that get, they put their faith in people. And then when the people disappoint them, they're gone from the church. But your faith was in the wrong thing. How many of you have been hurt by a church person? Oh, Lord Jesus. Hands, feet, arms, legs, put it all up. How many of you are a church person? So you might most likely hurt somebody. You know what? When we have our, our luncheon for the new visitors, we tell them all about how great our church is, right? The last thing I say to them is this, and I say, look at me real carefully right now, because this is the most important thing I can say to you right now. You see all these leaders up here? None of us are perfect. Someday, one of us might offend you. We might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Or there might be an usher that every week you come, they're like, so glad to see you. And you come in one day and they look right past you. I say, what you do with that will determine your destiny. Well, let me say this again, people. What you do with that will determine your destiny. The only reason that every seat isn't full in this church right now is because you somebody was let down by a somebody. I said the only reason that every seat isn't filled here right now. We have two to five, sometimes ten people get saved here every week. When I talk to other pastors and people in church, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. But then I think back, well, where are those people? Somewhere along the line. They put their faith in a person. A person let them down. Like, I'll give you a ride to church on Sunday. And when Sunday comes, they're calling, where's my ride? 
It doesn't show up, and they're like, I'm never going to that church again. Come on, let's be real, everybody. But what you do with that will decide the destiny of your life. Because I'm telling you, there's nowhere you can go, there's no church you can go to that doesn't have people in it. Or it's not a church. Jesus did not commit himself to people. Now the word commit there should be the word put his faith in. Because it's the same word that's used for faith and believe throughout the New Testament. So Jesus did not put his faith in people because he knew what was in people. Well, now that Jesus died on the cross and the Holy Spirit's in us, those of us that know Jesus, do we know what's in people? What's in people? <laughs> Imperfection. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit. So when someone makes a mistake, give them grace. If you want grace, have a generous eye about it. But don't put your faith in people. Put your faith in Jesus. He brought this, the, his son to Jesus, but he met up with people. And when you put your faith in people, you limit yourself to what people can do. And eventually you become discouraged. And you become frustrated. How many of you know frustration? Gosh, things that don't go your way and people that don't do what you expect them to do. Oh, Lord Jesus. talking about because <laughs> you know what it is we put expectations on people that we shouldn't but at the same time there's nothing wrong with expecting someone to do something godly or to do something right and if they don't you could just say hey you know but don't run and hide grow up people wherever you go they're there you go to the store they're there you go home, they're there. I call them those people. I did a whole message called those people. You know how those people are? We're those people. <laughs> if you put your faith in people, you're limited to what people can do. Everybody, get out your TNT right now. You see that thought process? Let's blow it up. Ready? Ba-boom! Not going to put our faith in people anymore. Your faith brought you to Jesus. Wait for him. Don't get frustrated. Wait on him. Amen. Listen, wait for Jesus today. Wait for him. Wait for him. If you got disappointed, if you came in and we weren't doing your favorite song, wait on Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Mark chapter 9 verse 19 here's Jesus answer oh faithless generation so here's a guy listen Jesus it's a mess they couldn't do it and he says faithless generation I don't want to be part of a faithless generation I said I don't want to be part of a faithless generation and I don't want to raise up millennials that are faithless or youth that are faithless or kids that are faithless. I almost said faceless. <laughs> I don't want to be part of a faithless generation. 
And Jesus said, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? And I'm thinking, okay, so this guy brings his kid to Jesus. Jesus isn't there. So he brings him to Jesus' disciples, and they can't do it. So he's had to wait. And we're always talking about how we got to wait on God. How long is he going to be waiting on you? How long is he going to put up with you and your faithlessness? How long should I put up with you, he says back. Like, I'm on a mountain doing what I got to do. You bring the disciples, it's up. And they couldn't do it, and it's like, oh. The man's faith is being whittled down because he has to wait. But he didn't have to wait very long. How long has God waited for some of us? To really pray, to really believe, to really trust, to take the limits off of our life. How many of us are suffering in secret and not believing God for anything and need to be blown up today? Boom! Boom! Bring him to me, they brought him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed and saw Jesus. I love it, you know, we preach about blowing it up and all this stuff, and things are getting blown up, and things are getting a little messy around the church. People are blowing up, things are blowing up, because the enemy doesn't like when you get real. Don't want you bringing that couple to, to Jesus. Let, let him talk to people. Oh, we'll talk to the, to the counselor out there. And the first thing my wife and I will say, is it a Christian counselor? Well, no. Teaching you relativism and everything's okay and all this other nonsense. When the whole time you can bring it to Jesus and shake it up. See, real movement. Because the enemy, that's what bothers them. When you get real about it and bring it to Jesus. That spirit started convulsing like, oh, shoot, this is getting real now. And then Dr. Jesus put on his stethoscope, got his clipboard out and said, how long has this been happening? <laughs> Peter, do his blood pressure. <laughs> Just do some blood work. It's like, I, I love it. How long has this been happening? And the man says, since childhood. You, you don't. Why does Jesus say that? He knows how long it's been going on. He wants them to say it. He wants the people to hear it so everybody will know how far and how long this guy's been waiting. How long has it been happening? Since childhood. It's like, oh, you, no wonder this guy's faith is sort of waning. Do things ever wear you out and wear you down because they never change? Come on now. And you feel like it's never going to change? It wears you down. It wears your faith. Some of you right now, this is what you're on. Like, yeah, I'm so worn out, I can't even raise my hand for that. You just get worn out. Your faith gets weak. Let's not be a faithless generation. Let's stop making God wait for us. Amen. Right now, let's blow that up. Ready? One, two, three. Ba-boom! Oh, you, I got Bob Bloomed before you got there. Amen? <laughs> see? See, without faith, it says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is what? Let, let's try it again. Without faith, it is to please God. 
So, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but what can't God, is there anything God can't do? Yes. He can't be pleased if you don't have faith. He can't be pleased if you don't have faith. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. You mean by going to church and feeding the poor and all this some? I, I, I can't please God? No. Only faith pleases God. For you must come to him and believe that what? That he is. That he was God yesterday, today, and he's forever. That his word is yesterday, today, forever. That he's king of kings and lord of lords yesterday, today, and forever. He is God. Who do you put your faith in, people or him? You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. I know this is a tough one for some Christians. Oh, no, not me. Yeah, he's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Stop trying to make God not a rewarder. The word rewarder there means literally that you get your paycheck for your work. You get your paycheck for your work. That's what the word in the Greek means. And what does that mean? When you diligently seek him and you have faith in who he is and what he is, he will reward you. That is the basis of my whole life. I don't know about you guys. When I got saved, I had one person to put my faith in. His name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, and the only thing I could do is pray. Pray that I could get a job. Pray that I could get married. Pray that I could have a life. Pray that I could be faithful to my wife. Pray that I could father numerous children. Because you know what? He's the only one that could do that for me. Diligently seek him. Faith in him. I looked past people a long time ago. I would never be here where I am if it was about people. Because people let people down all the time. I don't care how spiritual they are. I don't care what kind of title is in front of their name. It doesn't matter. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me tell you something. I work as hard as I do, now that I see four of you out of six are here, my kids are smart. They know if they diligently seek me that there's money coming. <laughs> and they know that if they don't get it from me, she'll take it from me and give it to them. Here's my point. Here's my point. I work really hard. This church does not support me. I have, a biz I have businesses. I have investments. I, I have properties. I'm doing all kinds of other stuff to make money. And you know why I'm doing it? Because I want to leave my kids something. We're both from broken families. Nobody left us anything. That's fine. Because I got a new dad. His name is God. A new Abba father. And you know what? But I'm telling you. And, you know, we had, a, we, blew, we had a blow up in our family a couple weeks ago. Did you ever have a family blow up? It's like, I just take the TNT. It's like, we're blowing this thing up today. Boom! 
And it's inevitably at like what, 11.30 at night when you guys got to work and go to school the next day? I'm paying you back what you used to do to me. Anyway. <laughs> we had a blow up. A, a come, we call, I call it a come to Jesus family meeting. You ever have one of them? We're all coming to Jesus tonight. <laughs> but after the yelling and screaming was over, which I had nothing to do with, uh, I told my kids, I said, everything that I do, and sometimes they see the stress that's on me, I said, everything I'm doing, I want to be able to leave you something. So I bought $50 saving bonds for all of you guys, and that's it. So enjoy. Uh, right now, they're worth $12.50. By the time you're 40, it'll be worth 50, which by that time, you'll be able to buy a coffee for $50. No, my point is, is that do you want to leave something for your kids? You know? I'm not God. I mean, how much more does he want to reward us? And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Listen, don't lose heart. Because this father, he started to lose heart. Look at verse 22. So here he goes, and, and he's talking to G Dr. Jesus. You know, Jesus like, tell me all about it. And he goes, and this spirit has thrown him into the fire and has ordered to destroy him. This spirit takes him and tosses him and all this stuff to him. And, and Jesus, if, if you can do anything, this spirit thought's trying to kill him. Jesus, if you can do anything, oh, please, help us. This spirit is, well, is Jesus not greater than this he? Isn't it greater he who is in us than he that is in the world? But when you... When your faith has been so withered and it has been going on something for so long that you've been putting up with and you haven't really brought it to God and you haven't got a healing and your marriage hasn't changed and you're working at a job you can't stand, after a while you're like, this thing is in control. Is there anything you could do? This Jesus that, that made the blind see and the lame walk and the dead rise. Is there anything he can do? Is there anything he can't do? Well, he can't lie, and he can't be pleased without faith, and he can't go against his word. These are things we are so glad <laughs> that he can't do. But I'll tell you this, one stupid little spirit, boom, can he do? If you could just, oh, Jesus. If you could, if me and my husband could just get along for an hour. Oh, Jesus, if my kid could just come to church once. Oh, Lord, if, if, if I could just get a raise from 20 to 22.5. That's not enough. If he could just, is there anything you can do? <laughs> now it's, if you could do anything. He brought his son to Jesus to do something. He got worn down by people. He got worn down by time. He got a negative word from Jesus, you faithless generation. He probably got a little offended. So here he's to the point where his Jesus is in, if you could just do something for me, Jesus. And people come up here, and we pray for 20, 50, 100 people every other week, 
and, and people are just like, and I'm like, you know, I don't pray for, I don't do a whole lot of praying, that personal praying, because I'm just like, you're healed. I want to tell people, shut up, grow up, and get it. <laughs> but that's not right all the time. <laughs> we had a couple recently, and like 10 minutes into it, I was like, would you two grow up? This is not preschool anymore. I couldn't take it, because I want people to get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. I'm not like Pastor Alicia. Oh, let me oh, oh, let me pray for you. I love oh God. I'm gonna stand here for 20 minutes until we both cry. Or Pastor Terrence, I'm getting the antenna up and I'm praying for you. And I, I'm waiting for more. When I get that, I'll give it to you. I had to do it because you're here today. I've been doing it every week that you haven't been here. So I figured I had to do it while you're here. But people will pray for people like, you know what I mean? Like just and people are expecting so little in their prayer. They have such limits on what God can do. But those limits will keep you for what God really can do. Let me tell you something. God can do all things. So the limits you put on God, let's do something. Let's take our thing out. Ready? Ba-boom! Load the limits off of what God can do in your life. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. I'm going to ask the whole worship team to come up right now. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to him, well, if you can believe. You're asking me if I can do something? I'm asking you if you can do something. Can you believe? Because how many things are possible to him who believes? All things are possible to him who believes. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Jesus if you can do anything that bites. If you can believe, there's no limit to what I can do. If you believe, there's no limit to what I can do. It's not on me. It's on you. It's on you. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So why wouldn't you just build your faith up and build your faith up and believe that God can do all things and make him happy? Anybody here want to make God happy? I said anybody here want to make God happy? Or are you here just for yourself? Or, you know, since you're unhappy, you want God to be unhappy. Nothing's going to work here, son. Well, that makes him unhappy. What makes him happy is, God, I know you can do this. God, I know you can change this stubborn husband of mine. God, I know you can change this wife of mine. God, I know you can change this teenager of mine. God, I know that you can bring me a job that I actually enjoy. Oh, Lord, God forbid. Oh, my God. Oh, 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 that would be so hard for him. Oh, Lord, let's not even try it. No, I don't even want to do it. Who say that? Why should anybody enjoy their life? That's how silly we are. Oh, God, this person has a cancerous tumor. Could you just shrink it a few inches? No, let's get rid of it. Oh, God, oh, oh, I know you can only heal colds. Where's the faith, everybody? Are we a faithless generation? Or we have faith that takes the roof off, the limits off, everything that God can do. Because it's not about if he can do it, it's about if you can believe it. 
Immediately the father said, Lord, yeah, I believe. Okay, believe, believe, believe. Yeah, I want to believe. Yeah, I believe. But help. Somewhere in there, there's pain and heartache and disappointment. And I'm having a tough time believing right now. But it's good to say help. Everybody say it. I know. Help. Help me believe. Why? Why help you believe? Because if you believe, all things are possible. I can't stand it. It's so simple. If you can believe, all things are possible. All things? Yeah, all things. All things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All things. All you have to do is believe. You know, I remember when I had hotel room faith in 2000. Honey, it's our church. Where are we going to do it? Hotel room. I believe we can go to a hotel room. I believe we can get a hotel room. Not a hotel room. A hotel room in a hotel. We didn't have church in a hotel room with a bed. A hotel room, the Ramada Inn. We had a Ramada Inn on Route 1. We had a hotel room faith. Then I got store, storefront faith. We went to Route 130, the storefront church over there. Place used to be a brothel. True story. Just got raided by the FBI, just in time for us to come in. In between a pizzeria and a hairstylist. So after church, you get your hair done, get a slice of pizza, you're all good. So I had storefront faith. Then we came by this building. And Ricky said, we can have that building, Pastor Joe. So I had to have visiting nurse association faith. That's what this building was. It was a visiting nurse association. So I had visiting nurse association faith. And then the church got big, and I had to have million-dollar addition faith, which is a really tough faith to have because a million-dollar addition usually turns into $1.3 million addition. But I had to have addition faith. And now, you know, they offered that blue building over there, so now we have to have campus faith. And then we got to have stadium faith. And then we got to have state faith and country faith and world faith. You know what God says? If you can believe it, all things are possible. If you can believe it, all things are possible. Now we're going to close in Ephesians chapter 3 because I love this. And especially the amplified version. As you know, I call it the chick version. Why? Why do I call it the chick version? Men, do we look in a mirror that magnifies our face so we can see every little thing in our face? No! We don't want to see all that stuff. But women, they look in that thing. Oh, you know, it would be nice if I had earrings and maybe some eyeshadow and eyelashes and different things. And blah, blah. All kinds of accessories. Amen? Even when, you, when your wife comes home and she wants to tell you something simple that happened during the day and you have to listen to 400 words to get, like, five words. It's all amplified, right? It's all amplified. We're like, huh, yeah, done. Right? So this is the amplified chick version of this scripture. But I love it because it really says it the way it should. It says, now to him, there's so many words, right? Maybe I should have a lady read this. Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able, stop right there. Him, God, the power that is where? Working in us. 
So the, the ability that he has, the capacity that he has, the unlimited power and potential that he has is where? Well, then I, why would we act like crusty little crumb-begging Christians? I just made that up. I like that. Crusty little crumb-begging Christians. The power that works in us to carry out the purpose. And, oh, I love this word. I want everybody to say it. You might never say it again. Ready? Super abundantly. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Super abundantly. One more time. One, two, three. Super abundantly. How many of you like that word? How great is that word? You know, I, I made french fries yesterday. In my walk, I got a walk, I'm making french fries. You had them, aren't they good, Mrs. Jackson? And when I make those fries, I don't make a little thing of fries like that. I make a super abundant amount of fries. I want to see a pile of fries that we can't even eat. It's so super abundant. Because super abundance is better than no abundance. Super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think. You know what? The devil dares. He, he dares me. He dares me. He, did he, has he ever dared you? I dare you to get married. You can't do it. Oh, yes, I can. I dare you to have six kids. I did it. I dare you to start church. It's here. I dare you to go to Wall Street without a diploma. I did. I dare you. You know what he says? I double dog dare you. I, why do they put dog in there? I double dog dare you. Has he ever dared you to do something? Has the enemy ever dared you? Like, yeah, let's see. Oh, I want to see you do it. Let's see you do it. Yeah, you say, game on. Dare, ask, or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Gosh. How many of you are praying high? How many of you are dreaming high? How many of you have big dreams and big hopes? All right. Everybody stand to your feet with me quickly. Tell you what, I got big dreams, and I have big hopes, and I take it as a dare from the enemy, because he dares us to believe it. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So does the enemy want you to believe? No, he'll, he'll yeah, yeah, I dare, yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead, believe for that impossible thing. We'll see what God can do. Yeah, we will see what God, he'll do it. He'll do it. Now I want you to, just for a moment, I want you to, somebody dared me years ago to dream, and it wasn't in a, in a negative way, it was just like dream big. I want you to, he just said, what would you, you know, like, what do you really want? What are you really dreaming for? Not just, oh, that made my husband good, just get along. <laughs> no, how about an awesome marriage? Awesome children, wonderful job, nice house, ministry in your living room, all this stuff. How about that? Or how about ladies? How about two single ladies? 
I was praying with some young lady, like, oh, I just want to meet somebody. I go, no, you don't. I just want to meet somebody. Anybody could just meet somebody. Oh, no, no. I want to meet somebody. I want a rich, handsome, godly, wonderful, awesome man of God. Stop believing for, oh, maybe I just want this. No. And guys, we want a beautiful, rich, <laughs> godly, childbearing age woman. Not everybody, obviously. Hey, Sarah was 100. But why wouldn't we ask for his best? All right, so right now I want you to, I, I dare you right now, I dare you to close your eyes. I dare you, double dog dare you to close your eyes right now. And I dare you to dream and lift up your highest prayer of what you really want God to do. Not what you're settling for. Stop settling. Settling is the act of things falling down. When you put a bunch of stuff in a jar, you don't want it to settle. That brings it down. Stop settling. Start believing. Take the limits off your belief right now. Okay, now, see that high thing you believe for? Guess what? It's not enough. Think higher. If you can, think even higher. Guess what? It's not enough. Think higher. Oh, let me blow that. Bubble. Nah. Think higher. Think higher and higher. Think higher and higher. Because he wants to do far and above all that you would even dare to ask or dare to, th dare to think beyond your highest prayer, beyond your biggest desire, beyond your greatest thought, beyond your greatest hope, beyond your greatest dream. He wants to do more. Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church isn't a building, but it's a gathering. This is a church because it's a gathering of people. Now that power of the impossible, possible, is in every one of us here that put our faith and trust in Jesus. Amen? And, and we have some people here that sell solar, namely Pastor Kim. <laughs> sell solar power, right? How many of you have solar on your roof? How many of you would like to have it? Put your name on it. No. <laughs> they would never come to your house and put up one solar panel and expect that to bring any energy into your home. So these people that think they can have church in the basement, that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God says the glory is in the gathering. Why? Because there's hundreds and then thousands of people with that power inside of them. Glory in the church. Glory in the church. As a church, let's be in agreement.
life right now. We blow up the limits on our life and we are going to believe higher. We're going to pray higher. We're going to hope higher. Whatever we dare not dream, we're going to dare. We've got to dream it in the name of Jesus right now. And with one loud shout of praise, let's give God glory to let him know we believe him. We believe him.